Hello, 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 and welcome to Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V in Lions, right here on the Believe Network. I'm your host, as always, at Javanaugh87, Jack Kavanaugh, and I am joined by the one, the only, the all-pro, the former Detroit Lion, the interception leader, Glover Quinn. What is up, man? Just living the dream, getting excited with all the OTA stuff going on. It's summertime. It's just a great time to be alive, and it's a great time to be a Lions fan. No question. It is a great time. It's summertime. I mean, I think it's still cold out there, though, in comparison. Yeah. You know, I saw, I think it was today, I saw it was in the 50s. That's cold. That's cold for uh for for June. That's I mean, chilly for June. Man, it's it's ninety five every day almost out here in Texas. It's hot. This episode of Believe in Lions is brought to you by our partners at Bet Online. Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all of the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's futures. And don't forget that MLB is back as well. Who are you picking to win the World Series? BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas casino and poker games. It's super easy to get started. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V to receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. No kidding. Yeah, it's well up in Canada. It's obviously a little bit colder than down in Texas, but even still, we're not at our normal temperature. Just got to keep ramping that up, ramp up the heat. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And (sighs) what a way to get into the OTA stuff. Ramp up the heat, man. You've had the whole offseason. You've had the, the cuts the end of the season cuts, you've had the the free agent signings, you've had the draft picks, you've had all those things. And now it's actually time to, to start getting on the field, playing some football and turning up the heat, getting ready to go into the summer and getting ready for training camp. So it's exciting time in the NFL. Like you said, it's exciting time for the Detroit Lions. A lot, a lot, a lot of excitement around this season around this team and this right here is where you you put money in the bank these workouts these practices these are important they are and this is kind of where you can set the tone for the season ahead it's where you can prove what you can do to your coaches and figure out the game plan the tone and just everything that's going to happen this coming season am i right yeah i mean you you i mean for for new players obviously you're trying to show that that you can be a contributor right obviously 
You're not making the final roster right now. You got to go through training camp. But you can do a lot in OTAs to show that, you know, I can contribute to this team. If I can stay healthy, I, I can be a guy that can play. And then for the guys that's been there, you know, you want to come back and show that you, you're taking that next step. You know what I'm saying? They paid Tracy Walker some money. He he's he's coming. He needs to come back and show that hey man, I'm, I'm I I was worth the investment, and I'm taking the next step in in a leadership role, and even in just a playing role. You know what I'm saying? You got a young safety. We got to get him ready to go. Um, and so I think that's that's a huge thing. You know, in the off season, you build those relationships, you build that camaraderie, that chemistry, that just work. You know, those those things are what help you in, in tough situations come training camp, come, you know, midseason when things are getting tough. You lean back on those on those tough offseason workouts and the guys that have been there, they have to lead the way and they have to show that they they're ready to take the next step. Was there anything that the Lions or the Texans teams you were on would kind of do as almost a tradition or just a way to get everyone on the same page with the same mindset, or did it just depend on what the team and what everyone needed to get ready? Um, it just, just kind of all depended. You know, you have some, some programs that, you know, they're going to be, you know, all about team and you kind of kind of do everything together. And you have some programs who, you know, you do some things together. They don't care as much about the attendance of everybody for workouts, but you know, they like for everybody to be there for the practices and things like that. Um, some some organizations put, you know, a premium on having a hundred percent, you know, attendance throughout the offseason program and things like that. Um, I think each player, especially the veteran players, they know kind of what it takes to get their body ready. They know where they need to be, they know where they should be going into OTAs, they know where they want to be coming out of OTAs um heading into the summer and then they'll know you know where they want to be and where they need to be coming into training camp the guys that know they need to have a good offseason program to you know continue their their run at it because just because you're on the roster you could be on that bubble and if you come out and have a bad offseason and there's some young guys that's playing better than you in in the offseason you may not get that shot in training camp because they already see that this young guy is is better or could be better. So, you know, we'll rather bring in two more young guys. And now, you know, we, we're, we're getting better performance and we're getting younger. Um, so all that stuff, every team is different. Every coach is different. Um, but it's really just about the work. It's about the time. It's about the grind. That's what it's about this offseason. And the teams that take it serious, the team that show up with the mind and the attitude to get better and the want to get better, those are going to be the teams that are going to lock in in the offseason program. They're going to buy into the coaches and, and the program, and they're going to get better. And one of the themes that I'm hearing coming out of the Detroit Lions camp, on defense anyways, is versatility. Because you have the edge rushers who can also play inside, such as Aiden Hutchinson, Josh Pascal, John Kaminsky, who they just picked up. Then you've got the off-ball edge, off-ball linebacker, edge rusher hybrids like Julian Aquara 
Jared Davis, who just returned, and the recently drafted James Houston. And then you've got Efetu Melifonwu, Will Harris, and CJ Moore in the secondary, who are both corners and safeties. Is that a good thing for a defense to have that versatility? Or do you ever run into a situation where jack of all trades but master of none type defense? Right. I mean, that's that's the problem, right? You like guys to be versatile, and I think you I think you need a mix. I don't think you need everybody to be everything, right? Mm. I think guys who are edge rushers, they need to be your edge rushers. Now, just because you know they make a slide in and, and give you a down or two as to, to mix some things up on the inside, you know, they need to be your edge rushers. They need to spend their time in training camp and in individual and and in all those things working on their edge rush pass moves, right? Um, they're off the ball guys, you know, Jared, like I play with Jared, right? Mm-hmm. He is uh off the ball guy. I can't see him, you know, moving around and moving up and turning into an edge rusher. You know, Julian Okora possibly could, right? I mean, I think he played a role like that in in uh in college, right? So those guys, I feel like you know, you want to have be versatile within your position mm-hmm. um, and have the ability if we need to change something up or if we need some depth or some guys go down. Yes, I can. But Will Harris, CJ Moore, and if he ought to, I mean, if you're a corner, you need to focus on being a corner, right? Mm-hmm. Work on things that can make you a safety, but you need to be a corner because they have guys on the team that can be a safety. They know that if we get in a pickle, we can put this guy in there. But you're on the roster to be a good safety. You're on the roster to be a good corner. That's what you are. Now, as we go, like I said, as we go to put these things together, we may pick one or two guys that we want to like move around. But we can't have nine guys that were like, all right, you guys are going to just be doing all these different things because now you're not even getting enough reps at what you're supposed to be getting your reps at. And I feel like the reps are valuable. And I feel like if you're doing a good job at it, you can kick in and play those other positions just based off your body position, your understanding of the position, the scheme. And I don't think it's that big of a deal. But, yes, you definitely don't want to have too many guys that are jack of all trades. You need some guys who are it's the NFL, man. You need some guys who are specialists. Like, this is what I do. I'm an edge rusher and this is what I do. And that's kind of what I was expecting to hear. Just you think of Aiden Hutchinson, like you said, he can kick inside, but that's not what he does. That's not what he was brought here to do. It's more about and correct me if I'm wrong, giving an offense just a different look, just a flash of something to try and catch him off guard. Right. Definitely. That's exactly that's exactly what it is. And I mean, you know, and it could play into how you construct your roster um, based off of your scheme, right? So you may have a situation where you have a better at your, your fourth 
edge rusher is better than your fourth interior D lineman. So then you might say, okay, well, let's keep the edge rusher because if we get in the pickle, we can kick somebody down. We can kick Aiden down and be an interior guy for us, right? Mm -hmm. So you have situations like that, same way with the corners and safeties, right? If you get in the pickle and your fourth safety could also play slot corner for you, but your fourth corner or your fifth corner isn't very good in the slot and he's not great on special teams, you may go with that safety and realize, hey, if we get in the pickle in the slot, we can always kick him down because he can play in the slot for us. But like I said, that's when you're constructing the roster. Everybody can't be jack of all trades. And I'm glad you touched on the special teams because that's my favorite type of versatility. You can play defense and you can make plays on special teams because it is the most underrated facet in all of football. Yeah. I mean, special teams is the way that most guys literally stay around the league. I, I have a friend that played 10 years on special teams, you know, and it's, and it's very, very hard to do, mm-hmm. um, you know, but when you look at the rosters, I mean, you only get one first round draft pick. You only get one second round draft pick, right? So, your team is really built and made up of fourth, fifth, sixth, seven round draft picks, you know, free agents. And those guys have to be able to run down and play special teams. And they know that. And mm-hmm. so they take that job very seriously. And those guys are good, man. Special teams guys are are good. They're tough. They're hard nosed because it's a tough, it's a tough team to play on. And they take pride in it. They get excited about it when it's time to practice it because they know some type of way they're going to start the game off, be, be kickoff, kickoff return. They're going to start the second half off. They're going to have a way to set the tone and the tempo of the game. And so they love it. And you got to tip your hats to those guys because it's tough. But that is the one of the easiest ways or best ways for young guys, you know, drafted, especially fifth and later, you can even throw fourth in there, but free agent guy stuff, that's the best way to give yourself a chance. Even if it's not with the team that you're currently on, there may be somebody else that saw you in preseason or saw you or practiced against you and realized, man, this kid right here was a great special teams guy. He's still on this team's practice squad or they actually released him. Let's bring this kid in. So special teams for the young guys, that's the way to go. Some guys can just walk in and maybe they weren't good enough to make the roster of one team, but now they're a starting gunner on another team. You've made the roster just from being an all-star on special teams. And there's only so many reps to go around in practice. And one of the things that reporters keep highlighting out of Lions OTAs is linebacker and fourth round pick Malcolm Rodriguez He is just making plays all over the place every single day, but it's only with the third team. And so how many days do you kind of have to stack up to elevate yourself to the second team or first team? 
or is it just got to pay your dues as a rookie? Well, it just all depends. It all depends. It, it is not, it's not a time limit. You know, I think it depends on the coach. It depends on the coordinator. It depends on, you know, it depends on really what the truth is. Just because you see a guy, just because the media see a guy make a play, mm-hmm. doesn't mean he's doing what he's supposed to do in the grand scheme of things. You, you understand what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you may see one play that this kid made, but the coaches may see seven plays that he screwed up. So they may feel like, okay, he made that play with this quarterback, but his footwork wasn't very good. You know, his break wasn't very good. He got away with it because the quarterback made a bad throw, right? But the media just see, oh, man, this kid made another play. Oh, man, he made another play, right? Things like that happen. Um, The coaches are the ones that are seeing it. They know the scheme. They know the competition. They know what's going on. And they can see – Okay, he's making team plays, and these are legit plays. Okay, he's earned a right to see if he can play with the second team. So you give him a couple reps, and you see, can he handle it? If he can, he earns more. If he can't, and then you're like, all right, well, he was just going against the third team, right? And when you're going against the third team in the summer – I mean, half those guys not going to be on the roster anyway. Mm-hmm. Really, just being honest, it's tough business. It is. <laughs> it is one, arguably the toughest business. It's 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 tough. It's 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 tough. I I, I can leave it at that. It's it's tough. I I don't know basketball. I don't know you know how it is getting in and staying in, and I, I don't know that stuff. I don't know baseball. I do know. The the minor leagues and you know trying to get caught up to the show and all those things, but I I know football is tough. It's it, it's it's tough. It is it is, and so I'm assuming you were instantly with the first team D in Detroit. Where did you start with the Houston Texans? Did you start on the second team, or were you practicing with the first team guys from day one? Well. I was practicing with the first team guys from day one because the Texans drafted me to be their starting nickel. That's, That's what, what they I drafted thought. me for. Mm-hmm. They they wanted me to be their nickel corner. So my first day of OTAs, I was going against the ones when they whenever we went nickel. If we were just going base, I was going with the twos gotcha. at, at, at outside corner. Mm-hmm. Right. When we went nickel and I kicked to the inside, I was going with the ones. That must have been a little bit of a shock walking oh in from God. day one and uh, looking at the faces across from you. Dude, I can remember because I had never played on the inside, really. Right. Mm-hmm. I had never played on the inside, so I didn't understand, you know, what it was all kicked up to be, man. And I tell you, my first day. I was lined up on Andre Johnson and, you know, it's just a crazy thing to go from like getting drafted and now you're lining up against Andre Johnson and you don't even like we, like it wasn't like it is nowadays. Like we showed up, made a 17th or 18th 
basically we showed up on Saturday or Sunday, maybe. Yeah, we showed up on Sunday, had physicals on Sunday, and then we started practicing Monday morning. Full so contact? you only had one, you've only had one day to halfway learn the install. Mm-hmm. So now you're going out there and you don't really know what you're doing. You don't really know how to do all the, the techniques that they're teaching you. And you're lined up against Andre Johnson. And you're trying to remember all these calls. Like, I was r- literally spinning. And is this full pads and helmet? And no, 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 no. In the summertime, it's always helmets, not okay. full pads. Still, my goodness. I mean, I only think I went full pads probably two or three times my whole career in Houston. Really? Yeah. We very rarely went full pads. And still, Andre Johnson in just a helmet is t- absolutely terrifying. Bro, because those guys are so fast. And so they're faster without those pads on. Because, you know, when guys got pads on, you can get your hands on their, their shoulder pads, right? Yeah. When they don't have those pads on, now it's tougher to even, like, get your hands on those guys, man. So, like I said, for me coming in, being my first, my first year, that's tough. Did Andre have anything to say, or was he as quiet as we've all become accustomed to him being? Man, Andre was just as quiet. I remember, <laughs> I remember this story. We show up for that Sunday as physicals, and you got all of the, the 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 Texans rookies. We're all getting our physicals, so we're all going from the cafeteria to this, and uh, we go in the players' lounge. We come through the door. And we go in the players' lounge, and I kid you not, Andre Johnson is sitting on the couch in front of the TV. He got a Subway sandwich on the table, and and it's opened up in the paper. And he got his chips poured on the paper. And he's literally sitting in the players' lounge on the couch in front of the TV eating Subway sandwich and some chips. And you got probably 15, 17 rookies. Come through the door, and that's Andre, right? So none of us would go and sit on the couch. So we all went kind of stood around him, like in the back, just kind of like, nah, bro, that's Andre. And he literally didn't say a word. Did, didn't even break, didn't even take his eyes off the TV and eating the sandwich. He just sat there eating his chips. I was so nervous. <laughs> It probably was two or three weeks before I, like, talked to Andre. I remember I had a roommate, and we used to always come back to the locker room, to the to the hotel, and be like, bro, did you say something to Andre today? <laughs> nah, not today. I was about to, but I couldn't do it. And I remember catching an interception in practice, and I started returning it, and Andre wasn't in at the time. So as I was running through – take return the interception Andre kind of act like he was going to try to tackle me or tag me out so then as I'm running back to the defense side of the ball he put his hand out and dapped me up like good play rook and like that was that was it for me that's when you knew you'd officially yep. made it yep Andre dapped me up after I caught a pick and I was like yes Andre dapped me up <laughs> <laughs> I've made it. I am part of the NFL now. Andre yep. dap me up. Love that. Love that. And so another question I have about kind of getting used to the building and the team, Houston or Detroit, 
they're talking about Jared Goff right now and how last year he looked like someone who struggled to find the parking lot after practice because he was so new. And this year he looks like a guy who knows every shortcut through the building. Is that a reality in the NFL where it's not just the team and the scheme and everything? It's the city and the building and everything that comes with it? Oh, no question. You know, when you first get there, man, it's it's a lot going on. And you're in a new city, you're in a new building, new locker room, new teammates, new cafeteria, new routine, new everything. And so that plays, I mean, just not knowing the how to get to the locker, I mean, to the to the facility. Now I got to leave a little earlier because I don't exactly know how I need to get there, right? I got what GPS if there's traffic? It. Right, all those different things. You get in the building, now you're trying to figure out, okay, where's the quarterback room? Okay, it's around this corner. Okay, now I got to get to the weight room. Okay, well, how I get to the training room? It's like a lot of different things. It's new. It's um, it's 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 nerve wracking for one because you're in a new city, a new team, new new all those different things, and depending on the circumstances and how you got to that team, plays a lot in it too. So going back year two, now you're more comfortable. Now you understand the offense. You understand the coaches. You understand the building. You understand the cafeteria. You understand the weight room. You understand the training room. You understand all those different things. And so in doing that, it just makes you more comfortable. You understand the city. You understand, you know, the good places to go, the good places to eat. You know, you know all those different things. And so that just makes you more comfortable, which could lead to you performing better on the field. And obviously the moment with Andre, the dap up, that's when it clicked in Houston. But was there a moment in Detroit where you're kind of new? I'm here now. Um, so when I was in, uh, when I was in Detroit, so we're practicing and I remember the first the first day, I think we were in full pads. The first day, and we called like a cover. Two, I think we were doing third down, maybe, and we called um, like a cover two defense. And Calvin Johnson was on my side, and so I I, I backpedal, get to my half, and I'm looking at Stafford, and he's staring Calvin Johnson down, like he's staring him down. Calvin Johnson breaks to the corner route. I break. Stafford throws the ball. This is like everybody's watching. It's ones on ones. It's good on good. And, you know, he throw that ball, and I was able to come around and make a nice pass break up on it. And that was like, oh, yeah, I'm here. Like, I'm here. This is, this is new, but I'm here. You know, that's Calvin. I'm not bagging down. I'm here. And so that was that was a great moment for me. And, um, you know, it just kept getting better and better. <laughs> and I think that might be a little bit of an understatement. It got better and better and better through your time in Detroit. Just funny when you think about it, too. Massive wide receivers with the last name Johnson. Both of them helped you get better and find your way with your respective teams. Yes. I feel, I feel like I was, you know, absolutely blessed to be able to 
go from Andre Johnson to Calvin Johnson in practice. It's just it's just you're you're going against Hall of Famers and you know like I said, when I was in Houston, I was more of a corner nickel. So I I, I matched up with Andre uh, a little different, you know what I'm saying, just from a corner standpoint, like covering him. When I was in Detroit, you know, I was more of a safety. So I didn't really match up one-on-one with Calvin. But as a safety, you better know where Calvin is at. You better yeah. know, you know, all those different things. So being in cover two and now you're one-on-one with Calvin on the deep ball, that's not a good feeling either. So uh, it was totally different in 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 Detroit. But just knowing those guys are on the other side, you want to compete. You want to stop those guys. You're going at them, um, trying to win. And if you take it that way, you take it serious. It'll make you better. It make both guys better. It makes practice fun. The quarterbacks get good work. It's just good for everybody when they see. The ones going against the ones, the good are going against the good, and guys are making plays and competing against each other. And you talk about how you feel blessed to go from Andre Johnson to Calvin Johnson. I wonder if Matthew Stafford feels blessed going from Calvin Johnson to the recently paid Cooper Cup. I don't know if you saw his new deal, but three-year extension, five years total, 78 and a half million in new money, 26.1 per year. That's number four behind only Tyree Kill, Devontae Adams, and DeAndre Hopkins. It's a lot of money, man. It's a, lot, a lot of money. Golly, man. That's 75 a lot of million guaranteed. Hey, it's all about timing. Yeah. You know, it's all about timing and this era of. This era of the NFL is, you know, from from a financial standpoint, this is probably the greatest, the greatest time ever. I mean, I was just talking to my nephews today and I was telling them, like, you know, when I came out, we had just came off the CBA and we had a, a flat salary cap of like 120 million for like two or three years in a row. Now the salary cap is, I don't know, almost 200 million. So, you know, when I came out, the highest safety signed a deal for five years 40 million he was only making eight million dollars a year nowadays i mean they're giving guys that don't even have a pro bowl eight million dollars a year right you know i'm saying you get a pro bowl you're looking at at least 10 to 11 million now you get multiple pro bowls you're looking at 13 14 million dollars a year as a safety and then with the with the number of the deals being so high the players feel more comfortable taking smaller deals, well, shorter deals, right? Mm-hmm. Back in those days, you know, when I was for free agency, a lot of the deals was were four and five year deals, right? Yeah. Nowadays, when you're making ten to twelve to thirteen dollar million a year, well, you can take a three year deal. You can take a three year forty million dollar deal, right? Yeah. And then resign again as opposed to being in a five-year deal and you're stuck and now you're, you're, you can't go back to the table and, and actually get some money. So to be able to come in, Hey, we, t- I signed a three-year $30 million deal. Okay. That's 10 a year. Cool. These first two, I'm gonna make 20. I play well. I'm probably gonna get an extension. I'm gonna sign another three-year 75 million. And now I'm making, you know what I'm saying? It's just so crazy 
how the money has changed, but that's an incredible deal for Cooper Cup. You know, I'm a player I can't hate, you know. Um, the sure. money, the money is is what you know he's earned, and congratulations to him. Congratulations to Cooper Cup and his teammate Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald got paid. Also <laughs> paid. He is now the highest paid non-quarterback in NFL history. And personally, I think that just makes too much sense. I think Aaron Donald is the greatest defender of the modern era he deserves every penny i mean i wish i know we're not gonna do it but i wish we would stop saying that because the era is just different Mm -hmm. like the next person to get paid is going to be the highest paid in history because the money is the highest it's ever been in history right so any like Anybody that's getting paid right now, you're probably just the next guy, right? You're the next quarterback, right? Like you look at a guy like Deshaun Watson. He just signed his deal. It's guaranteed deal, $230-something million. Like that's the most probably guaranteed fully – he's got the probably the fully guaranteed most money in NFL history because it's never – the money is just the same. And so – you know, I know it's cool for us as a guy to be like, yeah, man, I'm the highest paid player in NFL history. Nobody in the history of the game has made more money than me. And that's just a money standpoint. That doesn't mean that you're not a good player, but that doesn't mean you're also the best player in history. There's probably some players that played that were better. It's just the league, the area, the money was different. So they couldn't make $40 million a year. They weren't giving guys that much money back then. Yeah. Um, Lawrence Taylor could not be paid $40 million because the Giants weren't making that much money. Right. The NFL in general back in the day. Right. All those guys, you know, you look at all those guys, Michael Strahan, heck, Brett Favre. They, they, like, those guys could have made, if they were quarterbacks nowadays, they would be making $40 $40 million a year, probably more like the greats just is what it is. It is what it is. And I'm actually glad you brought up Michael Strahan because I know in his final year with the giants, he admits after the season and after he came back, he flirted with retirement because he just didn't want to go to camp and he always planned to play, but it was just his way of saving his body is that what Gronk's doing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, or is that actually he could retire? I mean, I think we all, I think once you get to a certain point, you could always retire, right? Yeah. But I do think he's playing. Yeah. Right? Like, you know, when you are as popular as Gronk, you've won Super Bowls, you've been great in this league, you don't have to play. No. Right? So why would I go back to training camp? And he's older in his career now, so I don't think, like, he's not trying to be the grunk of old in a sense. He's just trying to make, throw him the ball in the red zone and let him score a touchdown. You know what I'm saying? I think he's okay with having that two catches, for 40 yards, 
with one touchdown and he's okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think, and to him as a tight end, he's probably like, I don't have to go through all that running and training camp and this and that to go out and do what I do because I'm grunk, right? So I, I think he still wants to play. But then again, I think he likes and enjoys the freedom of not playing. Who can and blame it's him? Tough, it's a tough, it's a tough situation, but it's also hard to walk away from a lot of money when it's there for you to make. You know what I'm saying? Like if it's just there for you to make 10, 11 million dollars or eight, it's hard to just walk away from that. And it's not as though he needs to work up chemistry with his quarterback if he returns to Tampa Bay. That's well, I mean, already that long. Yeah, I mean, you know, Tom. Heck, Tom was probably the one telling them, "Hey, man, yes, take a break. Like, yeah, I'll get you back in. You'll be, you'll be fine. We'll get you caught up. You, you'll be back. fine. Take a break. Rest the body. You know, come back mentally juve- rejuvenated. And you know, yeah. Tom was probably telling them that. I feel as though a lot of stories are overblown by sports media, and one of the ones that seems to be overblown a lot the last couple of days is off-season weight drama because some guys like Levi on Wuzurike, the defensive tackle for the Lions, he is looking cut. He's looking in shape. Everyone's excited. Good for him. But then there's the drama around Najee Harris because a report comes out. He weighs around 240 pounds now. Oh, wait. He also weighs that during the season. That's his playing weight. And then Leonard Fournette, comes in at 240 pounds and he says, yeah, I'm a bit overweight right now, but I play at 230 anyways, and I'll be fine for the season. But all of sports media is terrified right now about these two running backs. Is this much ado about nothing? Yeah, it's much ado about nothing. Um, A lot of players do it. You know, I don't know how long the longevity of that is meaning as you get older you know it's hard to be 10 pounds over in june and then be in shape ready to go in the end of july right it's hard to lose that much weight because if you're in shape you're lean you're cut you're fit you don't really have 10 extra pounds to lose so to lose 10 pounds, now you got to cut back on the weights. You got to cut back on your muscle to try to get down to 230, right? So that's not very good, yeah. right? You you want to be, if you're 240 and you're lean and you're in shape and that's just your muscle tone and that's just what you're weighing right now, your body fat is low, well, then you just got to be comfortable being 240. That's just the way your body is is growing. But if you're fat, you know... It's tough. You're trying to cut weight so quickly going into training camp as a running back. I don't know if that's healthy, Mm -hmm. right? But for Najee to say, hey, I was 244 last year. Now I'm 240. You know, he's probably slimmed up, got a little more lean, a little more toned up, a little more muscular. I mean, he's probably a scary-looking running back right now. And that's what I'm thinking, too, because he was – built like a brick wall last year and you see pictures of him in camp right now 
and he just looks scary. So again, these numbers don't mean anything by themselves. There's different types of 240 pounds. And I think Najee's the right type. Yeah. I mean, he, he looks, he looks solid. You know, you can, you can have that build and you know, the taller you are, the better it's going to be. Right. I mean, you're short and you're 240, you're going to look stubby. It just is what it is. Um, But I mean, you can have some, some height on you, you know, like a Derrick Henry, right. Mm -hmm. You can have some height on you. And you can carry it. 240 is going to look normal for you because anything under 240, you know, you're probably going to look like a wide receiver, and <laughs> that ain't good as a running back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. AJ Brown, he's 6'1, 230. So he, it's literally if Derrick Henry was that weight, he'd be a wide receiver. Right. No question. No and question. So the final story buzzing around right now is one I wanted to ask you about. But it's not a good one for the Detroit Lions. Or maybe it is, depending on how quickly it happens. Aaron Rodgers has reportedly said he will definitely be retiring a Packer. So the Lions are stuck facing Aaron Rodgers for the next couple years. What's that like? And how does it feel? You know what? Is to me... You know, my years in Detroit, I think we had a winning record against Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Um, for the Detroit Lions, what that means is you got to go against Green. You got to go through Green Bay every year to win a division. That's really what it's going to mean. Because Aaron Rodgers, you know, as long as he's healthy, he's going to have his team somewhere in the mix competing for a division championship every every year. So for the Lions to win a division – they're going to have to knock off Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And I think if they can consistently do that, they'll drive Aaron Rodgers to retire quicker. (laughs) That is the positive, optimistic way to look at that news. Yep. He'll retire quicker. He get to the point where he can't get past the Detroit Lions and get into the playoffs and win. And now he's just out there. He has, he's made plenty of money. Hopefully he, you know, whatever he's done with it, I don't think he's playing for for that. So if he get to that point where he felt like, man, I went through the Detroit Lions for all these years and now I can't get past these guys, um, it's probably time for me to hang it up. And that's not a shot at Detroit Lions. That's just a kudos to how dominant and how good of a player Aaron Rodgers has been in this league. And when you've been – at a high level for so long, once you start to kind of fall off that pedestal, now it's kind of like, oh, okay, it's time. It's time. And so, you know, and I mean, and you can say that with any of the teams in our division. We're just talking about the Detroit Lions. The Chicago Bears could be saying the same exact thing. Minnesota Vikings could be saying the same exact things. Yeah, they may have won one here and there, but over the last 12, 13, 15 years, it's been Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. Did you ever have much back and forth with Rodgers talking on the field? Or as safety, are you usually too far away to get too chirpy? Yeah, I didn't really talk much, period. You know what I'm saying? I might mm-hmm. say something to Aaron Rodgers in pregame or whatever, but, you know, I didn't really talk much. He didn't really talk that much. You know, he might look at you and give you that little smirk. 
and you know, but Aaron was cool. Like we were good competitors. Um, you know, we always knew that, you know, Aaron was going to give us his best shot and he knew I was back there lurking. <laughs> he knew when he played against our secondary with me and Slay and Quandre and, you know, we had Rasheen and Dig, like all those guys, like he knew we were, we were, we were back there. Um, and it was fun for him probably competing against us. And it was fun for us competing against him. He was, he was a good player. And Devontae Adams was young and he was a good player then. You know, we, we, we had some really good battles. Just a chess match, iron sharpening iron. Everyone gets better playing the best. I don't know if you've ever seen the story about Ed Reed purposely playing coverages wrong because he knew Peyton Manning would see that and identify it wrong for when they faced each other. Mm-hmm. Is it just those kind of mind games with Aaron Rodgers or not that extreme? Oh, yeah. I mean, you you got to be a good player to to feel confident doing that, though. Right. Yeah. You, we're, we're talking about a Hall of Famer. Right. So when he goes to the coach on the sideline and tell him, hey, I'm going to play this coverage wrong because I know in two weeks we're playing Peyton Manning and he's going to watch this film. So I want him to see this and think this and think that so that when we're doing and I'm showing this two weeks from now, we're really going to be playing or doing something different. So I don't need mental errors on my grading sheet. I don't need, you know, this and this and that. I'm not busting the coverage. This is what we're working on. So I might make something look differently um, because I'm trying to give some different looks for for Peyton Manning or whoever the, the quarterback is that you respect and feel like, hey, this is going to be a showdown in a couple of weeks, and I know he's going to be watching, and I know he's going to be watching me. It takes a special player, a player that, you know, is is good for that, for that to uh, happen. And so you weren't about uh, telling your coach, hey, I'm going to play the wrong coverage, mental error, but it's on purpose this time. No, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> into that. Like, I, I mean, when it came to disguising and stuff for me, I like for a lot of things to look the same way. You know, I feel like, you know, when, when you're showing low and you run high or when you're showing high and you run low or, or when you're inside and you run outside or you're outside, and you're, like court, good quarterbacks know that. They can see that. I like for everything to look the same. I like to be in the same alignment, the same spot every time. Whether I'm playing cover two, whether I'm playing cover three, I could be playing man to man. I could be playing cover four. I want to be in the same spot every time. So the quarterback looks at me. He don't know if we're in man. He don't know if we're in zone. He don't know if I'm blitzing. He don't know anything. That's what I like. That's what I call disguising. Because a lot of guys just do opposite of what they're really doing. So quarterbacks aren't dumb. Okay, he's showing in the middle. He's going to run to the half. Okay. Like, they're not dumb. Sometimes people take the mind games to the edge, whereas Glover Quinn is just going to make you beat him from the same alignment no matter what because you can't tell what he's about to do, and what he's about to do is probably going to pick you off. That's what I'm trying to do. (laughs) (laughs) Oh Well, thank you so much for joining me once again. It is always a pleasure talking to you. Anything coming up? Anything going on in the Quinn household? Man, not anything other than it's summertime, it's baseball time. Um, like we talked about, I think before the show is dirt bag season. 
You know, we're going to Atlanta next week with our 11U team. So follow the Dirtbags on Instagram for all the updates. I run the page. So I would appreciate the support. It's a lot of time, a lot of effort that goes into all the videos and the photos that is put up on the page to, you know, show some good, fun youth baseball content. Um, and so I would appreciate the support. The Dirtbags would appreciate the support and, you know, wish us luck as we uh, go to Atlanta to compete with some of the top 111U baseball teams in the country. Good luck to the Dirtbags. Go Dirtbags from all of us here at One Pride. I imagine each and every Lions fan out there is going to be rooting for the Dirtbags next weekend. I would appreciate that. I would definitely appreciate that. Well, looking forward to it. Make sure you follow the Dirtbags. Make sure you follow us at Believe in Lions. And until next time, we will see you soon. I believe, I believe, I believe. I love the Lions. Say it with me. I love the Lions. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.